This morning's scripture comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given everyone to be busy with. He has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of past and future into their minds, yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of their toil. I know that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done this so that all should stand in awe before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already is. And God seeks out what has gone by. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. When my brother died about four and a half years ago, a dear friend of mine sent me a song that was recorded in the early 70s by the group The Eagles. Now, I'm a pretty big Eagles fan, but I had never heard this song until he sent me those words. I was quite touched by them, and I wanted to share them with you this morning. I wish you peace when cold winds blow, warmed by the fire's glow. I wish you comfort in the lonely times and arms to hold you when you ache inside. I wish you hope when things are going bad, kind words when times are sad. I wish you shelter from the raging wind, cooling waters at the fever's end. I wish you peace when times are hard, a light to guide you through the dark. And when storms are high and your dreams are low, I wish you strength to let love grow. I wish you strength to let love flow. The words in that song are words that I hold close in my heart and in my being. And they remind me that when life is offering up the stuff that life offers up, 
the hard things, the easy things, the fun things, the seemingly dull things, the times of sadness, the times of great joy, the moments of overflowing love, and the moments when we can't seem to find that love within or without. When life gives us what it does, there is a source of light, a source of strength, a source of comfort, a source of love, and a source of peace. I know that most of you are familiar with today's text from Ecclesiastes, and I know that while reading the first eight verses of the third chapter are not necessarily difficult for us because they're really beautiful and poignant words, the rest of Ecclesiastes is not quite as easy to read. I would guess that for most of us who have taken the time to read the entire text, that we come away sometimes with a sense of it being somewhat negative or pessimistic or even fatalistic. Honestly, I, I tend to think primarily of just a handful of verses that come from this offering and wisdom literature. Um, one of those comes from the first chapter in verse 14. I know you know this one. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. That's one version of it. Another version of it is a little more pointed in nature. It reads, I have seen it all, and everything is just as senseless as chasing the wind. Not exactly cheery and uplifting words, are they? Second section of text that is known to us, we either know the version from the King James Version or by the Revised Standard Version written by the very wise and talented Pete Seeger and made famous in a recording by the birds in the 1960s. Those would be the first eight verses of our text this morning in chapter 3. These verses, again, are very poetic and beautiful. And regardless of whether we're hearing them from the King James Version or the common uh, contemporary English Version or the version that we sing along to on the radio that include a few words that are not part of Scripture, but they're ones that are good words for us. And there are some words in that newer version that are repeated three times throughout the song. Turn, turn, turn. But when Pete Seeger added those words, he didn't really change the meaning of the original text. Actually, the repetition of that word is in large part what the gist of the scripture is. The author of Ecclesiastes wanted those who heard those words and who read the rest of the book to consider and be mindful that this life we have on earth is a cycle, it has a rhythm. It turns in a cycle and life runs full circle from birth to death with all the events of our lives in between. And regardless of how long we live on this planet, we have a beginning and a middle and an end. So the words from chapter 1, as blunt as they are for us, they are true. There is nothing new under the sun. This cycle, this circle, that is the one by which we keep and mark time, it repeats itself. 
the things that happen in the course of our life, generally speaking, really don't change. We're born and we die. Things are planted, things are harvested. We kill. And when we aren't killing, we're sometimes living in a wounded state and we need healing. We destroy things and we build new things. We cry and laugh. We weep and we dance. We tear things up and we repair them. We listen, we speak. Some of us do more of the latter than we do of the former. We love, we hate. We make war, we make peace, or at least in our good moments we do that. That is the rhythmic yet chaotic way that we live on this planet. And one of the ways we try to make sense of this is by measuring time in the midst of the cycle and in the seasons. Now, if this was all that we had, well, then the writer of Ecclesiastes would have left something very important out of the equation. The writer would have left God out of the equation, but God was not and could not be left out of that. Because it is God and what God gives us that makes the equation make sense. Even though there's a universe full of mystery that we can't fathom or even attempt to understand, much less explain, God and God's goodness and love for us offers meaning to us in this cycle and in each of the seasons of our lives. I used to think a lot of things about marking time and the passing of time. Most of those were wrong or very incomplete thoughts and or perhaps a bit naive. But as I've gotten older, I don't necessarily think of time in terms of seconds and minutes and hours or weeks and days and months and years as much as I think of life in terms of the moments and experiences that give meaning to the life that we're given to live. And the writer of this text has a central message that sometimes I think is overlooked. And it speaks to those moments, those experiences that give life its value and its true meaning. Again, while the author speaks quite clearly throughout most of the book to the vanity or the folly that we can and do experience in life, one of the key points of this text is that it's the little things, the little things in life that make it so much richer and fuller and better and happier and more joyful and truly meaningful. Some of you may have read Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. If you haven't, I recommend that you do, because it's one of those books that will profoundly touch you, and it will challenge you to look at life in ways that you may not have considered. I know it did that for me. If you aren't familiar with the story, Frankl chronicles the experiences of his time in Auschwitz, the Nazi concentration camp in Poland, Frankel was a remarkable man. He was a neurologist and a psychologist, and he spent his life studying and writing about a form of analysis called logotherapy. 
His experiences of life and suffering and death and his personal witness of the human condition led him to formulate his basic premise, and it's this. Life is about the importance of finding meaning in all forms of existence, even in the most horrific and heinous ones. He did this in an effort to find a reason to continue to live. There are many incredible things that Frankel wrote about in his book. I wanted to share two of them with you this morning. The first one is, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any giving, any giving set of circumstances and to choose one's own way. The second thing is this. He wrote, for the first time in my life, I saw the truth as it is set into song by so many poets, proclaimed as the final wisdom by so many thinkers. The truth that love is the ultimate and highest goal to which man can aspire. Then I grasped the meaning of the greatest secret that human poetry and human thought and belief have to impart. The salvation of man is through love and in love. I think the writer of Ecclesiastes would agree with that because what we're told in the remaining verses of this section of text is that where we find meaning is allowing ourselves to see God. God, who is the source of love and all good things, by allowing ourselves to see God in the ordinary moments of life. I want to tell you about some of those moments that I've experienced here at Central. I felt them in the hugs and questions and smiles of children. I've heard them in the voices of children singing and the stories that they share about fun and special and sometimes hard moments in life. I've seen them in the creative ways that children share who they are in art and in creating things. I've witnessed it in their enthusiasm for the things that they do here and at home and at school. I've seen it in their servanthood and in their willingness to share their gifts with this congregation. I have been uplifted by it in those moments when I was just worn slam out, like right before vacation Bible school. But I found renewal in their laughter and their excitement and in their cheers and in their singing from those children who were there to learn and to play and to get to know this friend named Jesus. I've been the recipient of kind words and great warmth I felt it when given the opportunity to hold a newborn baby or feed and rock a tiny one to sleep. God has been in those moments when preschoolers were with me in chapel or I got to play with them on the playground or hiking on Graybeard Trail with day campers and playing in the creek afterwards or taking a sacred walk on a labyrinth at Montreat. Not all of the moments have been simply ordinary, though. There are many that stand out for me 
that may not seem like a really big deal to other people, but they were a really big deal to me. The one that I want to share with you, um, I don't think he's here this morning, and I, I wouldn't want to embarrass him. He's in high school now, but he was in the sixth grade when this happened. And I have two teenagers at home, and, and I know how embarrassing adults can be simply because we breathe and take up space. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and share that moment because it's one I will never forget. And it speaks volumes when it comes to being a reflection of Jesus. Not even two months after I arrived at Central, James Van Cleve came to my rescue. One of our kids who was going to be in the Christmas Eve service got a really nasty case of the flu two days before Christmas Eve. So I called James's mom and I asked if James might be willing to come and step into that part. She said, he's right here, I'll put him on the phone. So I spoke to James and I asked him if he would be willing to do that. And I know that there may have been other things that he would rather have been doing. But he graciously said yes. And he came and participated in that service, that very first service that I was here at Central. And he did a beautiful job. I don't know to this day if he really understands how much that meant to me. But I won't ever forget it. And that is one of the many examples of the ways that children and young people in this church have been a reflection of and an example of the love of Jesus Christ for me. I have a memory box that I hold in my being that are filled with these kinds of treasures. And they are worth more to me than I could ever express. Ordinary things that have been shared and given to me in my time here. Books, matchbox cars, rocks, seashells, an orchid that still miraculously grows in spite of me, a box full of cards and letters and beautiful artwork, blankets and cookies and hot chocolate and candy and chicken salad and flowers. Those are some of the tangible things. And then there are the intangibles. At least a million hugs and a million more smiles. Kisses on the cheek, high fives, and maybe my very favorite things, the stories. I have heard some incredible stories from our children here. Stories about birthday parties and sleepovers and vacations and school events and ball game results dance recitals and gymnastic meets, about new pets and new siblings and new toys and new clothes and new homes. It's these moments that create the seasons for us, where we find joy and where we find meaning in life. And I believe that it's these kinds of things that stir something within us called imagination. We have within us this wonderful tool to use that allows us to look at something that seems so ordinary 
And then imagine what more it can be. It's a rock. But when cut into just the right-sized pieces by skillful hands and placed carefully according to intricate plans, in just the right places, it becomes an awe-inspiring church. It's just a tiny grain of sand, but when you put it with other grains of sand and it's placed in the hands of someone who knows how to apply the right amount of heat and then to give it color and then to cut it in precise pieces, it becomes an exquisite stained glass window in that awe-inspiring church. It's just a piece of wood, but in the hands of a skilled carpenter who has great faith, that piece of wood becomes an altar table or a pulpit in that beautiful church. And it was just a cell, but it was that cell that was the beginning of a tiny human being who was created and born to parents who wanted to show that darling child this beautiful church with the exquisite stained glass window, with the carefully crafted altar table and pulpit. And they wanted that child to grow in love, in a place where imagination and faith and love were alive and well and growing and thriving. And it's in such a place that a story was shared that most unusual, out-of-the-ordinary story like no other about this God who changed the course of history and time and the universe by doing something that was not even close to being like the ordinary cycle of life. It was a game-changer in the highest order it's a story about one named Jesus who was born to a poor young girl and her husband-to-be in a stable in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago. And the world hasn't been the same since. This story, this foundational story of our faith is one that you've allowed me to share and explore and learn with you. These moments in life with you have been part of the cycle and part of the rhythm. And I measure this time with you by the life that we have lived together in all its goodness, in all its messiness, in all its joyful moments and in all its sad moments, in all of the moments when you didn't quite know what to do with me and I didn't know quite what to make of you, in our times of laughter and tears and weeping and dancing. We have lived and loved and grown in this season together. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. So I thank you all with all of my heart for the time that we have shared together. You have made my life richer and I am forever grateful. And I end this time with you with the words that I began with to my dear friends and my family here at Central. I wish you peace. Amen. Oh,